All right, welcome to another edition of uh, Inappropriate Earl, where we interview people from the world of comedy, acting, UFC stars, uh, porn stars. Uh, today's guest is a very special, very special guest. We uh, met on the set of the great pilot Damaged Goods for two years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was by far and away the most accomplished actor of the cast. I mean, 117 credits on IMDb. I mean... That's crazy. I, I've got two. I mean, this man has 115 more credits on IMDb. He is like a younger version of M. Emmett Walsh, just oh. cranking out those movies, TV shows. Uh, and you could tell on the pilot, he, this guy is a better actor than all of us. Please put your grubby little hands together for the one, the only, Mr. Robert Peters. Wow. That may be the best introduction ever. Well, this for is me, no joke. Me. Man, I guess. Man, I appreciate it. I mean, I knew you were an accomplished actor, but I like to do a little research on the show. Wow. Yeah. And I looked your name up on IMDb this morning, and you have 117 credits. I did not know that. I did not know that. And big movie, like Lincoln. Yeah. Well, that, that, was, that was cool. It was my second time to work um, with Steven Spielberg, and, and I... Uh, it was interesting because one of the reasons I was able to get on that film was I, uh, a friend of mine was a first AD, a guy named Adam Sumner, and um, and also the second AD was a buddy of mine, um, Ian Stone. And Ian and I used to have, share an office together when he lived here in L.A. And, and uh, at any rate, they, they, they helped get my reel to Spielberg. And I'd, and I'd worked them on, um, on Catch Me If You Can, which was a great experience. And I actually became friends with the real guy. Uh, Frank Abigdale lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where I'm from. But uh, but it was it was an amazing experience, and I was there for a month. And this will sound very corny, but I don't think I've ever felt more patriotic than working on that movie because we were all you know we were all suited up in the in the garb and we're in the you know what is supposed to be the White House and and uh, and you've got Daniel Day Lewis just looking like Lincoln, acting like Lincoln, never going out of character. And it was, it was just an awesome experience. So how does it feel to go from working with Spielberg, Daniel Day-Lewis, to working with me? Very similar. In fact, when I first saw you, I remember thinking, is that Daniel Day-Lewis? And then I thought, no, no, it's not. It's not. But And just your presence on the set... And I think, if I recall correctly, you never went out of character on the set, which I which I admired. I mean, I thought I thought here's a guy committed to being whatever you know weird ass character you you were, and I thought he's committed to that. Where even when the cameras aren't rolling, he's still just weird. Well, I was playing the creepy, uh, the creepy guy. Yeah, you always stayed in character. You were creepy the entire time. I remember that. I mean, you were kind of the. Uh, <laughs> You know, basically, Damaged Goods was set in an advertising agency, right? With many in, uh, infomercial world, a, a, right. a nice, a nice, which is ripe, should be ripe. It's been ripe for a long time, uh, but yeah, the infomercial world needs to be, uh, you know, poked, poked, uh, poked at. And it was a great cast. I mean, Ben oh. Morrison, you, Brian Trolet, Nick Nicotera, uh, Gabriel. 
Oh, Gabriel, probably the number one uh, commercial actor going right now. Absolutely, and and I and I will say, and I and I, I think we can we would all say this. I remember that first day we got together, and we were all like, "Man, I know this guy. I love this guy." From, from you know, uh, we'd all kind of seen some of each other's work on some level, you know. And it was like, but I remember thinking how because we all what was interesting about it was, and Annie and Anita, I guess, all knew us from different sources so we all came to the show from kind of a some random either somebody knew somebody but i just remember thinking man they really put together a cool group and that's the reason i keep hoping that that thing will be shown somewhere i mean i just remember at the table read and i don't laugh at anything uh i was like wow this is a this is funny idea and everyone seems to be getting along yeah and then the other guy uh, who was in the cast, I never worked with him uh, on the set. He had a mustache, really super fun, with glasses. He was in a lot of the scenes I wasn't in. He was uh, in a lot of commercials. Oh, yeah. I want to say, it's not Nick, but... Uh, or what about Bob Zaney? Who's yeah, dude. who's a, a comedy legend. Yeah, Bob Zaney. I actually saw him not too long ago at the, at the airport. We ran into each other. We were both, I don't know where we were flying, but but uh, he, he was a great guy. We had a, we had a nice chat. So, I mean, yeah. in your experience with, with a man with as much history as you have in the business, have you ever seen like a show or a pilot take so long and then just, it's almost like, a, it's like that Malaysian airplane, it's vanished? <laughs> well, I, that's a good question. I don't, I don't, uh, not this, we're, we're over two years. I, I don't know. I, but I will say in, in, in defense of whatever's happening with the show, I have heard, especially when you're calling in favors for post-production, uh, I don't, I can't think of a show that I've, maybe I have, but there probably is something that's taken this long because every now and then, and, and, and I've, I've made a few of my own films and I know that when I'm getting favors, you know, even with the short, I mean, my, the first thing I did on my own was a short film, eight minute short film, but it took me over a year probably just to get it, those eight minutes put together the way I wanted. And I was glad that I took, in a way that I took my time, but I'm sure people were wondering, you know, when is your short film ever going to be done? But it's sometimes, again, when you're asking favors, especially in post-production, it just takes a long time. I mean, I know on our pilot, we, it seemed like it was all favors. Like, yeah. We got to use the uh, what's it, Franklin and Bash set for free. That was a great set, man. Yeah, I was I was imp- I was impressed again with with really the whole the production value seemed great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I I didn't know what was favor or what was what they were had had budgeted, but yeah, they seemed. I'm sure they got some favors on that. And I remember the set designer was like some Oscar winning. Oh, like, really? He had worked wow. on like Predator and Lethal Weapon, and he won all these. And I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I love the Annie and Anita, so I. That's cool. So, you know, I had high hopes. Well, I guess let's, let's keep those hopes alive, man. I'm, I'm still hoping that it, that somehow it'll, it'll get out there. I mean, it's just when you see what's on TV now, you're like, you know, and I'm sure everyone, as you probably have learned through the years, thinks their pilot's great. And, yeah. Uh, but when you see some of the stuff that's on, like, Spike and E. Absolutely. And, and, and to be honest, for me, uh, I mean, I appreciate you mentioning the film credits but I, I i'd love to do more tv i mean i've always wanted to do i mean i've done some tv shows and i've done quite a few commercials too but i i would love to do a pilot and and and, and also you know the the dream of working with people you enjoy working with and something that's funny and you, and you have a character that kind of evolves and but you know it wouldn't even be work really i mean exactly even the the two or three weeks we spent on that it was like 
in long days, like 15 hour. I mean, yeah. it was fun because everyone's was. messing around. And yeah. Like, you know, just that 3D scene, which was insane. <laughs> you know, it was like, this, I would love, this would not be a day of work for any of us. And it would probably help us get other stuff. Yeah. And you well, know. just for folks to know, I think the title may change, but if you hear of a show that we're, we're both in and those other folks we mentioned, look out for it. But I think someone told me that the damaged goods may not be the, uh, uh, the final title. Yeah, because there was a show that uh, called Damaged Goods that got on the air, I think, and everyone was congratulating me. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> oh bummer. You know, I think it was on like the Sci-Fi Network, or right. might still be on the air. But like, like, what is it like working with someone like Spielberg? Awesome. Uh, you know, it was it was interesting because he kind of reprimanded me. It was sort of a left-handed compliment, but on the, on the first day of shooting of Lincoln, I said, uh, he, he went around graciously to every actor and just said, Hey, you know, and just said hello and and shook our hands. And, and I said, I just want to say, I'm really honored to be here. I, uh, I worked with you on catch if you can. And he goes, I know He goes, that's why you're here. And I was, I, I thought I was, I was surprised the guy remembered me. And, right. But he he has an incredible memory, and he and he and he watches actors, and that's what's great. I mean, it made me feel great. I felt a little dumb saying that, but I felt great that he that that was part of the reason why I was there. And um, and there were days where I, I think what's um, the hero directors that I've worked with, like Soderbergh. Soderbergh's phenomenal too because Soderbergh does everything. Um, you know, he's, he's an actor's director. He's technical. He actually shoots. He, he's actually the DP, but Spielberg's the same way. I mean, it, it, I always am blown away by directors who can do both. I mean, cause there are a lot of directors that they don't talk to actors. I mean, it's just basically like all they care about is camera angles right. and, and, and setting up the shot and actors are kind of on their own. And there are other, uh, directors that coddle direct you know actors and make you feel like you know you're a superstar even if you're doing just a couple of days on the film and i think spielberg has that ability to to do both you know i think he's he's it's just it's just cool to to watch him work and and i think the reason i'm so uh, you know to me you look at at his at his body of work and i'm saying the most obvious thing cuz everybody knows this but you look at from catch if you can to jaws to Lincoln to I mean the guy has done so many different kinds of films which is pretty cool I mean just Jaws alone right right which is like yeah it's like Rocky to me it's like that, that is like I mean, Roy Scheider's one of my favorite actors. Yeah, mine too, man. Did you ever work with him? No, no. I would, I would have loved to, because uh, he's he passed he passed, he passed away, away in right? I think yeah. two thousand eight. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, you know it kind of went under the radar, and that bums me out when someone like him dies. Yeah, I know. And it's just I mean, here's I think he's one of the greatest actors of our generation. Yeah. Uh, especially at the seventies. I mean. Oh man. You know, French Connection, the yeah. Marathon Man. But Gene Hackman, by the way, you mentioned French Connection. Gene Hackman, I think, might be my favorite actor. I, I don't know. And now he's retired. Yeah, I guess. But I, I wonder if there might be a movie that'll pull him back in. Oh, I, I mean, he's 80, so I. I but he, but again, and I, and also, I guess, I guess, what really impresses me when I see somebody do the the diversity of of you know, look at Gene Hagman from French Connection to Young Frankenstein. I mean, he, a lot of people don't even know he's in Young Frankenstein. I didn't know that. Yeah, he plays the blind guy. 
in Young Frankenstein. Really? Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. I mean, you got to watch that scene. It's one of the funniest scenes in the movie, and he's unrecognizable. And then you, you know, then he's done. God, I'm trying to think of all the movies. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. just, well, it, my probably... he can play a heavy. He can play a, the the kind of funny guy. He can. I mean, he's amazing. I mean, I think my favorite movie of his, and it's kind of a under the radar war movie is with I think it was Patrick Swayze's first movie uh, Uncommon Valor oh yeah that's right wow. and uh, Tex Cobb was in it it's like my favorite boxer it's, Tex Cobb big have you ever done a film with Tex Cobb no but I but it's funny you bring up the the boxing world I, the, the the last couple movies I've worked on have been with uh, I, I did a I did a movie in Puerto Rico with Jean-Claude Van Damme oh. and so I was kind of it was interesting to me to kind of be uh, just around that world, and then the this the most recent film I did was with uh, a martial arts guy, Don the Dragon Wilson. Oh know? my God! Yeah, he used to do, and I, this is a compliment. It's not going to come out like one, <laughs> you know. He used to do a lot of shitty uh, B movies that went like straight to laser disc. Yeah. Well, you know, you get, uh, but I love those. Yeah, I think he did his, and I, and I did the what I call the Roger Corman camp, which was there, there are a lot of great people that came out of that B movie world. I mean, you know, from Ron Howard to Scorsese to people that, you know, that was their start. So I don't, you know, I I didn't really know that much about uh, Don Wilson's background, but I did know that he was like, you know, at one time one of the top fighters or the top fighter in the world. I think his that, thing was kickboxing. Yeah, yeah. And so he and and the guy, however old he is now, he he hasn't lost a step. I mean, he can still do all the, uh, you know, all the moves. And and it's this is kind of a family film. It's the, I think they're trying to do sort of a Karate Kid kind of feel. And I don't know, it's cool. We shot it down in Florida, and well, we'll see we'll see how it goes. But I, but anyway, I just just literally finished that like a week or so ago. So we'll see what. what now happens. a movie like that does that do they help to get it in theaters or is it like that's what I've heard. I mean I, yeah, I mean it's it's it was definitely a low budget film, but 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 they they definitely are are going for theatrical release, and and, I, and they might get it because again I was I was. It was interesting for me to learn about somebody like Van Damme or, and maybe Don Wilson too. You know, those guys have a following that in some areas of the world uh, exceed Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, you, you know, you, you, you revere his work. He's an Oscar winner. He's, he's, he's all that. But, you know, as far as a fan base and as far as selling a film and distribution and released in theaters, sometimes those guys have, have a leg up on, no pun intended, have a leg, have a leg up on a, on a more known actor or let's say more commercial film actor. Well, it seems that like that, it's what went into the thought of say like something like the Expendables, where you have all those yeah, like Dolph Lundgren is big and uh, or I forget where Swe is he Swedish? Uh, I think he's got a big following there. Van Damme is yeah, he's, uh, for, he's foreign, whatever he is. He's yeah, one of those uh, you know countries we're invading probably <laughs> as we speak. Van Damme's huge in Belgium. No, that was and I, and I and I've probably overtold this story, but I'll I'll do it anyway. Please do. But, but I I I. I um, when we shot this movie in Puerto Rico, it was almost, it actually, I want, I want to say this too, and I'm not just saying this, it, it reminded me a little bit of Damaged Goods. <laughs> it, and it, no, but it's a, it's a comedy. It's a wow. comedy with Van Damme, but the ensemble that they had, I was like, this is the greatest, coolest group of actors. It was uh, Adam Brody, Kristen Shaw, you might know Kristen Shaw, uh, uh, Rob Hubel, um, who else was in there? Aaron Takahashi, Eric Edelstein. 
all this like really cool uh, you know all these people right, if, right. You, if you don't but uh, by, by name you'd know them if you saw them so anyway so we're all hanging and we're all like just happy to be working with each other and and of course Van Damme I and mean, we're all just curious to chat with Van Damme so we're sitting on the beach and this is like the first week and the re the best shout out I think I've ever gotten on a talk show was Jimmy Kimmel. So Kristen Shaw goes on Jimmy Kimmel and she's uh, relaying this story and she says, yeah, we're on the beach with Van Damme and we're all asking about, you know, action stories from the eighties. And this one actor, Robert Peters, and she mentions my full name. She's kind of dissing me really. It's pretty, it's kind of funny. She goes, this one actor, Robert Peters says, so what's the big deal about the Belgian waffle? And I was kidding. I was like half kidding, you know, but I was kind of curious to see what he'd say. So I said, yeah, what's the big deal about the Belgian waffle? So she's, she's telling this story on, on Kimmel and Kimmel goes, wow, what, what, what did Van Damme say? And she goes, well, that's the thing. Van Damme then goes into this historical, poetic, beautiful, uh, history of the Belgian waffle. I mean, our, I mean, our jaws were dry. I mean, I'm not kidding. I, I can't exaggerate enough how, it was an incredible story. And, and, and so Kimmel goes, well, I guess Robert was right. She goes, yeah, Robert was right. But it was, it was, it was funny because we saw a side of Van Damme that maybe nobody had. I don't, I don't know. He's, he's a smart guy and he's funny and he's, um, and he had, uh, and, and, it, and, it was, and it was great working with him because I had a chance to really just chat about a lot of shit. And I mean, just, it was just fun. Well, I think a lot of those action guys get portrayed as dummies. Yeah. Like yeah. Stallone. Like yeah. people constantly make fun of him being kind of a, a dimwit, but the guys, which is, which is phenomenal because just you look at Rocky alone. Nobody, you nobody can write a movie like that and be, you know. And, and in fact, you, I find that the, a lot of times the smartest guys play the kind of you know slower guys the best because they, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Or, yeah, like so, I uh, thought he was the best in Copland. Ah, wow. And there he's with Ray Liotta, yeah, you know, De Niro, I think Harvey Keitel, yeah. I mean, some of the great actors of all time and he held his own yeah like, you know he played that dim-witted sheriff yeah and, and those guys are funny too i mean I, I really was i was surprised at how how uh and and you see it somewhat in the movie uh uh uh, critics were not nice to the film, and I and I think unfairly. But I think even even apart from what you see him do, and the movie's called Welcome to the Jungle, uh, nothing to do with the song, by the way. Uh, but Welcome to the Jungle, and but when you see him, just tell stories, just 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 BS with you, you know, about, about life. He's just funny. Well, I mean, that's a guy who's lived uh, a thousand lives I uh, mean, yeah and he'll tell you about it too he's 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 he's, he's self-deprecating and he's an open book about you know the the rocky road he's had and it's, it's pretty cool and his, and by the way his daughter and son were in the film too and his daughter stunning and uh and both of them are great actors they're both great and uh, and uh which is pretty cool too i mean he's a very good looking guy and uh yeah i think his wife is actually from puerto rico originally too so what what do you have coming up? I mean, I I don't even know what to ask you. I mean, you're 117 credits. So I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, who's your favorite actor you've ever worked with? Wow. Um, I mean, you've worked with literally thousands. I think. Um, man, that's a tough question to answer. I mean, you've gone from Daniel Day Lewis to Earl Skakel. I mean, that that's yeah. The, well, well, I, I mean, the, my my initial reaction was I was going to, of course, say Earl Skakel. I mean, that would be that's my that's too obvious. But, but apart from Earl, I would say <laughs> one of my best experiences and is still kind of a calling card for me with certain people was working with John Malkovich on uh, 
in the line of fire. Oh, the uh, that was the movie with Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood yeah. playing the Secret Service. Yeah. What part were you in that? I play a duck hunter. It's really just one scene, but I got so fortunate in that they used that scene for every marketing thing they did for the film. Um, this will sound pretty goofy, but one of the one of the when I was a kid, I collected Mad Magazine. And I, uh, I was in Mad Magazine. I made Mad Magazine. That was like the, that was like the pinnacle for me. It's like, I guess it's like Steve Martin saying he got in the phone book and the jerk. But, <laughs> I, but, but, but for me, seeing myself drawn in Mad Magazine, I was like, this is unreal. And I, um, uh, but Malkovich, it was really because of Malkovich. I, I benefited. Malkovich is so good in that movie, and he's so cool. And you'd love him because he's got this real dry wit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see, you see it in Beam, John Malkovich, but, you know, Line of Fire, he plays just, just phenomenal. It's just one of the best performances, I think, ever. But he, uh, he was just a cool guy, too. Well, I mean, uh, and this goes to show you, because I want to get into rejection and, yeah. and how many auditions you've oh, had yeah. in your life and how do you deal with it. But uh, my mom once had dinner with Clint Eastwood while wow. she was pregnant with me. Wow. So I guess I was there. And she looked at him and said, you'll never make it. You're too nice. He said that to her. No, she said that. Oh, to him. To him. Like, this is wow. probably right around, this is like 68. So he's making the spaghetti westerns at that point. Wow. And, uh, well, maybe he said, you'll never make it to me in the stomach. <laughs> he might have been right on that. But I mean, how, you know, because I have a lot of actors and, uh, struggling artists who uh, listen to this show and uh how do you you've had how many auditions in your life thousands uh, I don't, yeah that's a good question yeah i'm, I'm sure i'm sure over you know because i started doing theater when i was a kid so you're you know you have to audition for theater you know and I, you know it's it's i I don't even, I don't know, how would I answer that question? I, I think, you know, there's so many cliches of, of people say, don't take it personally, you know, let it go and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I think everybody's different. I'm sure every actor uh, um, tries to uh, reconcile that in his or her mind. But for me, it, I, I think if I go in, here's here's what I'd say. If I go in and do what I think I'm capable of doing. And, and, and uh, I'm, you know, you make your choices before you audition and then you go in and you do that and you do the best you can. If I do that, I'm, I'm not as hard on myself if I don't get the job. You know, at least I've done what I'm capable of doing. I can't help it if they don't like me or they can't, you know, but I did what I felt like was right for the role and I did, you know, just did the best I could in the room. Then I'm okay. When I go in and screw up, because they either get distracted or, or something throw and of course there's a million things that can happen in the office, you know, and the end there, and I'm sure you've had people on your show tell you horror stories of, you know, the casting director gets a phone call, starts eating a sandwich in the middle of your audition. I mean, you know, you're like, well, you know, or something, something, you know, a million things can go wrong, but that, you know, or, or, or you yourself just lose your space or you fumble words or you you just don't do or you don't hit the comedy the way you know you right. can hit it then you're just bummed and you, you walk out of there going i know i can do better and you and actually a buddy of mine who was in my first film uh which i'd, lo I'd love to talk about is that's that's my Please. most it's my most successful film that i and i very self-indulgently i wrote directed acted in it but it, it it opened up a lot of doors for me but the actor is pretty well known uh, who is in my film, and he, uh, um, I guess it wouldn't hurt to say his name, Matt McCoy, 
Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, Matt was in... Uh, he's been Police in, Academy. Police Academy, but uh, also on Seinfeld. He did. Uh, was on Seinfeld for years. Matt's a great guy, great friend, but he, he told me one time, he said, uh, and I don't know if he does this every time, but but in, in an audition, he said he didn't feel great about it. But just as he was walking out the door, he said, listen, to, this is to the casting people or producers or whoever's in the room. He said, I want you to just picture what I do when I get to my car because it's going to be great. Whatever you, whatever you saw in the room, whatever I just did right now was not great. Right. But when I get to my car and I redo it, it's going to be great. So picture that. I don't know. I, I, I did he get that. the gig? I don't know if he got I, I hope he did. He's, he's booked a lot of gigs, so he probably did get the gig. But, but to me, that's something funny because every actor, the minute you leave the room, then you can do it perfectly. Or, or you know, whatever, if you get thrown by, you know, attitude that you get in the room or what, whatever throws you. But when you get to your car, then it's brilliance. Then you, oh, sure. you do it again. And it's, I don't know. I just, I, but what I thought was funny was he told those people that. And I don't know. I just thought it was kind of a cool, cool way to just, you know, be, be confident. You Do know. you ever get recognized on the street? Because you have a commercial out right now, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I do. You know, and and that's and that's fun. I, there, you know, at different times, I think I've probably been recognized more for commercials because uh, you know, and I'm grateful that that's a lot of them are are pretty funny rather than commercials that you dread watching. Well, what's the one you have out right now that I just saw you on? It's like you're with two other guys, I think. I've got three that are running. I've got one that I did for um, um, Kraft Macaroni and Cheese that we shot down in um, New Orleans, which is fun. And I've got one for ING where I'm selling a barbecue. It's 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 uh, the the catchphrase is sauce rack. It's I, I play a salesman that basically just doesn't listen to the guy and just says, you know, it's got a built-in sauce rack. It's, Maybe that was the one I saw. Yeah, and then I've got and then. Uh, I've got one. Actually, I got one that was pretty interesting that I did for American Greetings. It's for a greeting card. It's it's only online, but I, I hope people will watch it. It's a, it's about Father's Day. It's about inept fathers, and they were trying to sort of, I think, do it in the same zone as as the the that huge uh, internet commercial that was done last year for Mother's Day, where they they basically acted as if it was real. Right. Where we, we came in, and, and, and in a way it was, it's the most unique audition I've ever had because the audition was the job. We came in, and these were other uh, actors that I knew, but f uh, they, they, they used five or six guys coming in auditioning to be a dad, and we're supposed to be bad. And and so, it was, I don't know, I think it's pretty funny. I'm proud, I'm proud of it. Um, so that that's playing right now. And then one that I was recognized a lot for, but I don't think it's playing anymore, was for, um, and actually Gabriel was in it. It was for, I don't know if you golf or not, but it was, I do. It was for um, FedEx, but I play a delusional golfer, and Gabriel plays the waiter. And I, um, I'm ordering a, uh, an Arnold Palmer, but I'm ordering it as my name. It'd, right. be like, it'd be like we're at a country club, and I go, I'll, I'll tell you, yeah, let me have an Earl Skakel. And they're like, what? Uh, Earl Skakel, uh, lemonade nice tea, and they go, dude, that's uh, an Arnold Palmer. I go, that's not no Arnold Palmer's an iced tea and lemonade. I'll take an Earl Skakel, <laughs> but the, the my name was Mark Stefanagen. Uh, that's where was that at? I shot it out here at uh, some country club I'd never even heard. Friendly, Friendly Hill, Friendly Hills. Yeah, yeah. it was beautiful course. Oh yeah. So, but that, but I'll tell you, man, I. Uh, 
I became friends with George Lopez uh, at Good a party. Man. Yeah, great guy. And he 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 flipped over that commercial. Um, and he and he told me golfer friends had because I and in fact I and I'm a very mediocre golfer, but I had always joked about why was Arnold Palmer the only one who had a drink named after him? You know, right. he got all these you know, but. Uh, but anyway, that was a fun commercial to do. Yeah, I mean, why wasn't there like a Lee Trevino? Yeah, Lee Trevino, Jack Nicholas, you know. Calvin Pete. Phil Mickelson. I'm obsessed with Calvin Pete. He really? was the black golfer who had a, uh, he fell out of a tree as a child and he had a uh, broken, a permanent, they didn't set it right. So his arm uh, was like permanently bent. So he couldn't hit it that far, but he was like the most accurate golfer in the history of like hitting wow. fairway. Yeah, he was. In, he won. He never won a major, but I did not know that. I mean, that's got to be a tough world to be a black golfer. I mean, I, I know Tiger. Well, Tiger's yeah. kind of black, but Calvin yeah. Pete was like he was one of the first. Yeah. He was like the Kimbe Matumbo black. So <laughs> you know, not. It was always great when you'd see him in the Masters because you know right. that had to drive the membership crazy. Like you know. Well, yeah, in that country, in that country, country club world, I'm sure they were. Yeah, I mean, that's the first time I ever heard the N word. Is that right? Was at Bel Air Country Club. And, uh, Did you grow up here? I grew up here, and you know, my dad was a. Uh, he could have been a pro golfer, but you know, he was just like a. It's like a Jacques Cousteau type. He was just like an adventure man, and you know, he was on the cover of Life magazine because he killed a whale, and. Uh, who was, you know, this? Who was this guy? Oh, oh, no one famous. Just a, you know, a uh, like a MacGyver meets Jacques Cousteau, and uh, so we remember at this country club, and you know, I heard the N word once, and I didn't know what it meant. Wow, how old were you? Uh, Thirteen. Wow. So I went down to the caddy yard the next day. Well, of course, ninety five percent black, and then you know. Story real short is uh, I shot bogey golf on the front nine in Bel Air from the men's tees. At 13? At 13, which is pretty good for, for someone who... I would say better than pretty good. Didn't practice a lot. And uh, I said to my uncle in the, the, the clubhouse, hey, uh, Uncle Bill, I, I just shot bogey golf. And he's like, Earl, that's golf. <laughs> so I go down to the caddy yard. Hey, guys, my uncle said I shot golf. <laughs> and they was just like, don't say that word again. Wow. And I'm like, why not? So, wow. I mean, because country clubs are, I think, the last bastion of, like, pure racism. No, I agree. And, I, and in fact, I saw some of that, too, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I, I grew up, um, my, my parents belonged to Southern Hills, which is one of the best golf courses. Probably. Very famous. Yeah. And, I mean, they they had the U.S. Open there. They've had, I actually worked during the U.S. Open, which is, which is cool. And I got to meet a lot of my heroes, like, that was back in the Tom Miller days and oh, wow. and uh or not, not Tom, Johnny Tom, Miller. I'm sorry Johnny Miller Tom oh. Wat, Tom Watson I started to say Tom Watson Johnny Miller Jack Nicholas I mean these were all these guys were playing oh I love Johnny yeah, Miller yeah me too man he, Johnny Miller was just cool he's, he's, yeah he's, all those guys were cool Tom Watson was cool too you know my grandmother said something too which I thought was pretty funny and observant you know she goes you know golfers are the only athletes that have no problem talking about how great their game is you know other other you know you know, football players, baseball players, when they're when they're talking about the game at the end of the game, you know, they're almost always very humble about it and 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 give credit to all the team. You know, golfers will go, yeah, I hit a hit a beautiful shot on three, and I laid it up perfectly on four, and I couldn't have played five better. And you know, they're just, but it's not even bragging. It's just, it's just they're just remember, you know, it's just, but it's it's pretty funny that 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 they, uh, I don't know, I thought I, I, I find it interesting. 
Oh no, it's it's a golf is a great uh, I, I think a good shot is like sex. I mean it's like <laughs> it's that feeling that it's like coming. Like I mean, you know, I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but No, I, and I've never heard a golfer say that after an interview, but I'm sure they have. But you know when you hit a ball perfectly, there's not a feeling in the world like it. You're exactly right. And I will say golf is a metaphor for life in the in the for me in that when you just relax and don't try to, you know, just just let it happen and and, and uh uh I, I think that's when you play the best golf. But when you're trying to just, you know, force it and and you know, push it and and and, and trying to hit the ball, you know, as far as you can typically you're you're not going to do as well as when you just relax and let your swing do the work but i but i know exactly what you're saying it's and it's the reason i keep playing because as i said i'm not very good but when i but but i do occasionally have a great game or, or i have a great shot if, even if it's just that one shot that you hit that you're just like yeah that's it oh, it's just such an amazing feeling yeah it's, yeah i mean you know i i regret i guess i've kind of given up the game just because i got spoiled playing bel air every day i mean it's I'm like it's the most beautiful. I mean, you're in the middle of Bel Air. Yeah. You know, billionaires on every hole, and and then my parents moved, and they sold the membership, and to play a public course after Bel Air, you're just like, <laughs> it's like going from Janelle Bunch into. You're sounding you know, very country club right now. It's funny. Someone from, uh, <laughs> you know, the Biggest Loser Week One. It's just like <laughs> it's like wow, I can't do this. But I will say, man, you got you got to. We should go play Witsit. Witsit is like this great little par three course that everybody plays. Like a lot of actors go out there and it's become this kind of fun course. And it, it ain't Bel Air, but it's, uh, but I think you'd enjoy it just for the fun of it. I would enjoy it with you. Yeah. yeah it'd be fun. And that's what I love about golf too. Golf is such a social sport. And I did want to mention too, because you, you'd kind of talked about the, uh, the sexual comparison to, uh, uh, to golf. I was amazed. What I was amazed at. And I know you kind of work a bit in the rock and roll world, but I was amazed, and this is not just Tiger Woods, at the groupies that golfers have. I mean, oh, yeah. when I worked during the U.S. Open, I mean, they, it, it's, they're like rock stars. I mean, they definitely have, you know, just a ton of women that just want to meet them and just, and, and, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's probably common knowledge, but I think when people talk about Arnie's Army, I'm sure at least the majority of them are probably women. I mean, just wanted to. Just, just pound them after <laughs> just, but i mean that's just, like, uh, you're right they are rock stars and most of them i would say for the most part are good looking guys i mean like there's not too many ugly golfers like, yeah well there's the cool dudes like fred couples and yeah you know the uh uh i've always been a fan of mickelson too i think mickelson's cool but but he's yeah. got some troubles right now yeah, he does. Insider with his trading. Game. Yeah, 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 definitely. But no, but I mean, the insider trading. You heard about that whole thing? Oh, I did not. No. Yeah, he's uh, in this. Uh, the feds are after him for uh, oh, man, like really? a Gordon Gecko type. You know, he was in. You know, getting insider trading tips from some dude. Oh, and, bummer. Uh, bummer. You know, but he's you know he's it had to suck for him to like his prime was in Tiger's prime. Yeah, and you know that's got to suck to be the number two guy. Yeah, well, Tiger just eclipsed everybody. I mean, it was just you know, but it's such a phenomenon. But uh, but it, I was, uh, yeah, that's too bad to hear that story though. But you uh, know, maybe he's innocent. Yeah, well, hope so. Hope so. Yeah. Um, now I also saw. I mean, I want to. What I want to do is just pick random credits from your IMDb. Right. Right. X Files. Yeah. 
X Files, and I'll. What's cool about X Files uh, is I got that really through Vince Gilligan, who is the creator of Breaking Bad. Oh wow! And, yeah, and I did I did Vince Gilligan's first movie uh, that he wrote, which was called Wilder Napalm, and that was my first movie. And so Vince brought me into casting for X Files, and I had worked with David Duchovny on. Uh, the uh, the huge hit uh, Red Shoe Diaries, if you remember that one. Oh, I do. Yeah. Well, Duchovny was the... Uh, so I did that, and I, I think I, I may have done a couple of X-Files. I can't remember, but I know I did one. But um, anyway, but I wanted to give a shout-out to Vince Gilligan, who I'm a huge fan is, of, as I'm sure everybody is. I mean, and Vince Gilligan, by the way, you talk about people that are successful and are just cool and... Uh, down to earth and just good people. He's probably number one. He's, he's this guy from like rural Virginia and his career started from a, a college competition that Mark Johnson, uh, who's produced pretty much every project out there. Uh, Mark, I think found him through some competition and boom, uh, the rest is history. Now I also see, and this is one of my favorite shows and I'm bummed out that this guy never really worked, uh, more after this, The Pretender. Oh, man. The great Michael T. Weiss. Yeah, Michael T. Weiss, man. He, yeah, he was great. That show was pretty cool, too. And I guess the only thing I can say that might be of interest on that show is that was the first time I ever had, I, pl I played a stunt guy. I'm an actor playing a stunt guy. And in that, uh, this bad car accident ha happens on the racetrack. And I had to go for the first time under... Um, the full prosthetic makeup. They had to make a, a thing. So I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever done this, but it's, it's a little unnerving, especially if you have any claustrophobic right. tendencies, because basically your entire, they, they, they had a plaster cast all the way down to my abdomen. And so you can't breathe. Oh, you can breathe, but you have to breathe through a straw coming out of your nose. Right. And um, so that was, uh, they're calling right now. That's it. No, no, no. Keep no. going. Yeah. Anyway, so so the, the, the straw comes out of your nose. And if and the first time I did it, the first time I did it, I was like, I was trying to act just casual about it. And this was on the, on the Pretender. I was trying to act casual about it. And I said... Uh, I think the main thing is if you guys will just keep talking because it's really not that big a deal. It's not, I mean, it's not like you can't physically can't breathe, but it's just, it's just, as I say, you, once it's on there and, and, and you're under for like 20 minutes and you're just sort of like, I, I want this thing off. But, if, but, but, um, I actually did better on the pretender than I did later. I, I had to do it again on a TV show called angel and on angel. I don't know if you saw that angel was a spinoff of, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. See, I remember uh, Angel the movie. But. Yeah, no, Angel. I played a demon plumber, and that was kind of interesting. But I had to do the same thing on that one, and and uh, it's it's anyway. But Pretender was fun, and um, um, yeah, I don't know what happened to Michael T. Wise. I don't know. But I mean, that's the crazy thing to me, and that's why I'm glad I have an actor of your uh, history on. It always blows me away. Like, here's a guy who has a he was the star of the show, a successful show. For, you know, a couple of years, I think, four Absolutely. or five years. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, is it when he goes into auditions after the show's off the air, it's like, oh, that's the pretender. We can't really. I mean, does that happen? Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure I'm sure, I'm sure for a while, at least in television, it's just probably hard to get that next gig. I mean, and, and I think probably the best example of that is um, uh, Tom Selleck. 
right. you know, Selleck, I mean, could have been, you know, Selleck was almost did Indiana Jones. Yeah. But he, you know, he does Magnum PI, which even if people don't remember it now, it's oh. I mean, the guy was a huge international, you know, star. So I would imagine it was tough for him to, I know he's on a TV show now, but, but, but it, I think it took a while to probably get back in where people didn't go, listen, you're, you know, you're Magnum. So we can't right. really, you know, we can't, we can't get around that. Well, it's funny. The last thing I've seen Michael T. Weiss on was Tom Selleck's show, NYPD, uh, NYPD Blue. Yeah. But, oh, you know what? What's funny? I want to, th I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because I did a movie called Freeway. And you may not have seen it, but I guarantee you there's somebody, if you, I don't know who your listeners are, but there's somebody, I don't either. there's somebody who loved that film and that film gave Reese Witherspoon her start. But Michael T. Weiss plays this drugged out, it's a total departure from what he did on The Pretender. And it was with, um, oh God, I'm going to blank on it, Amanda Plummer. Oh wow! And I played an undercover cop, and um, and it was just a. If you have a chance, check it out. And Kiefer Sutherland is awesome in it. And people didn't get it. It was a dark comedy, and I'm and dark's an understatement. But it's a dark, dark comedy, and it played at Sundance. Did not do well at Sundance, and then it went to HBO and Showtime, and all of a sudden became this huge cult classic. I mean, there are people who just love that film. No, that's pre twenty four, Jack. Pre, oh, definitely pre twenty four. But Kiefer, I'm a huge fan of, and and I've I've worked with him three times, and he he actually directed me in a film. Uh, what called, uh, called what have you worked with him on? Well, uh, the one I mentioned, Freeway, Freeway uh, one called The Breakup, it was shot up in Bakersfield, and the one called, but the one I was the most fun for me was a movie called um, uh, Truth or Consequences in M, uh, standing for New Mexico, and uh, we shot it in Utah. He directed it, starred in it. I worked with a guy named um, Mickle T. Williamson, who oh. who was awesome. Who was uh, most people were a lot were a lot of people remember him from uh, Forrest Gump. He was you know Bubba uh, Bubba the Shrimp guy in, in Forrest Gump, and he's such a brilliant actor too. And 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 there's another example of somebody who probably you know went, had a hard time not being identified with that because he did such an incredible job in Forrest Gump. But he's he's great. See, I remember him more for uh, being in Miami Vice. Oh wow, really? He oh, was oh. in one of the first seasons, maybe the uh, maybe the second season. No, the Don Johnson. Yeah. No, no, that's not the same. Guy. Oh, absolutely, it is. Mickle T with the black. He was in Heat. He played the FBI He's agent. He's young though. I, I can't. Black imagine. guy with the mustache. Wow, I, I did not know that. And Con Air. The original. He Miami must. Vice. He was easily in his early twenties when he. Well, did it. however old he is, he looks great. Because when I when I worked with him, I can't remember when that movie was, but but he uh, or when Forrest Gump was. When, when was Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump was. Uh, Early nineties. Ah, okay. Well, man, he's the guy. The guy doesn't age. I mean, I have an obsession with uh, not that he's a character actor, but like no, he is. He's a, a high level character. Yeah, I mean, actor. he could do both. I mean, he's almost kind of a leading guy. He plays an undercover cop in in in, uh, in Truth or Consequences, and him, and, and he's he's great. He's just he's just a great actor. I mean, is that an insult when uh, some someone is labeled a character actor like? No, in fact, it's funny. I think I think even leading actors sometimes appreciate that because it usually means that they've done roles where they just, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I take it as a compliment sometimes. Maybe it means that you're not, you know, good looking enough to be the leading dude. But, 
usually that's not the case. And there's plenty of guys that, I mean, I think Clooney's the best example. Like to me, Clooney can do whatever, but he goes from, or, or Brad Pitt too. I mean, both those guys, obviously leading guys, but they, they take character roles and they, and, right. they, and they try to find roles that would, I'm sure, be defined as character roles. Now I have to ask this question. My favorite actor of all time, other than you, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's like... Appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, unwritten, yeah. unsaid. It's just... I'll be interested to see if this, if that statement stays on the show. But Understood. Oh, I don't edit anything. Oh, okay, okay. good. It's... Have you ever worked with the great John Glover? No. Have you? Do you know who he is? I do. Uh, I do, and I, and I think, or have I? Wait, I, this this sounds makes me sound like I don't know. I mean, you've probably like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. This is six degrees of Robert Peters. Well, people have joked about that before because, and and actually, it's funny that you say that because I actually worked for Kevin Bacon on when, what when I first moved to L.A. Uh, I worked f as his assistant for a brief time on Trimmers. A great movie, a great flick, and 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 by the way, for the record, he's one of the again, and I'm not just whatever, but I, he, I just think he's one of the coolest, most humble, you know, and also just an incredible actor. And I'm I'm a fan of the following now, which uh, a guy, uh, the guy who created that, I met at a film festival in Germany, Marco Siega, and uh, I'm just I hope that show keeps going going strong. You know, I wanted to like it. I'm a, a huge Kevin Bacon fan. Yeah. And I love the, uh, I might get his name wrong, The his protagonist, James Purefoy, the, the guy who plays the... Yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about. Um, I can't think of it either, but yeah. And they have good chemistry. Yeah. But I just, uh, it's such an unbelievable show. Like, uh, you know, it makes prison break seem like, oh, okay, that could happen. Um, right, right. I mean, I like a little bit of realism, like... Well, the whole mind, you know, control thing. Is that what you're talking about? That that, that aspect of it? or, or Well, I, it's more like the situations, like how many bad... How much bad luck does Kevin Bacon <laughs> have where he's always, you know, getting stabbed or like... It's almost like 24. Right. You know, which I love. I mean, I'm watching it this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I mean, I'm a big Kiefer Sutherland fan. Oh, I'm right with you, I, I, and 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 uh, yeah, I, I hope 24. I actually hope it. They, I, I didn't know for sure if that was just going to be a uh, just a quick run, or if they're actually talking about bringing it back, which I hope they do. I mean, it's. Uh, I think the problem with that show, at least, just and I'm just an idiot fan. I'm not critiquing anyone who. I don't know how to make fucking TV or films, but it's just, uh, there's only so many bad guys before you start repeating. Like, uh, you know, the bad guy in season four or 24 was so good. Right. Uh, that, uh, I think his name's Arnold Vuslu, or, or it's a, he was in a Van Damme movie. He's just got this Gene Simmons type of uh, creepiness. And right. it was all over after that because he was yeah. perfect. But now here's another topic I have for you. All right. Because this is no joke, and I know you're busy, and we're not wrapping up. I mean, I got. I mean, you, I could talk to you for days. I love it. I don't like it when they make a re a remake of a classic film. Because to me, like the Longest Yard in seventy, I think seventy three. Oh man, but the, you picked the right one to tell me. Long the original was one of my all time favorites. Loved the original. I mean, it was just a 
classic. Yeah. Uh, had a charm about it. Yeah. That, and yeah. I love Adam Sandler. I do. I, and I'm, I'm right with you. I, I, I do too. He I, told me I, I was funny once. Well, as you should have, as you should have. And I, and I'm a huge fan too, but I, I agree with you on that one. That was one that they, I, I didn't, I didn't think they needed to try to remake. Well, it was just, and I find that, and, and the reason I bring this up, cause I know that you were in the bad news bears. Right, and and I and I'm and actually, and I'm really glad you brought that up too. Because well, I'm not, I'm not fucking around. No, you got it. You're that's why you have your own show, man. I would say this: the Bad News Bears thing was a bummer. A because I think Billy Bob Thornton is phenomenal. I mean, I'm also a fan of, of Billy Bob's, and I think that Richard Linklater is brilliant. And so you got a great director, you have a great actor who's you know you can't recreate Mathal, but I, I think you can watch Billy Bob in Bad Santa and know that this guy is going to do a great cantankerous you know boozy coach and pull it off. To me, the flaw in that film was they tried to hire real athletes for the kids. Right. And as a result, I think the kids are nowhere near as likable as the original. And the other thing, they, they, they were, it was still crass. I mean, I think the original was such a hit because these kids are saying shit that you can't imagine them saying. Oh. But it was the 70s. And, and, it, and it's interesting. I think there's, it, I think where we are now is there's more censorship and less censorship. Right. And I think the less censorship of that time was was kids saying what ki we know kids say today, which is stuff that you're shocked at because they don't even realize what they're repeating. It's kind of like it's kind of like your experience at 13 in the yeah. country club. You don't even know what you're saying, but the kids hear their parents say it or they get it off of television or wherever they music wherever they get it. But I think that was to me the the downfall of Bad News Bears, I, I, the the remake. Because I really had high hopes for it, and Greg Kinnear also, and and this isn't an unfortunate thing for me to say. I'm a huge Greg Kinnear fan, but I didn't think Greg Kinnear was the right guy to be the the other coach, the coach that, the you, hate, that you hate. Yeah, the Vic Moro. You hated that guy right out of the gate. And someone once said, "Your protagonist is only as good as your antagonist," and I can't help but like Greg Kinnear, even when he's playing the quintessential bad guy i still like him so i think you lose something there if you don't hate that other team you don't you know what i mean yeah remember the original the original you're just oh. your math out you just you just you just love him because you hate the other guy well i mean in vic morrow you know who uh, you know very sadly died in the filming of the twilight zone oh yeah i mean literally i saw someone sent me once a uh and i don't know how they got it i think it was from someone who worked on the the set the unedited uh the uh, version of the accident, and you literally see his head get like oh man decapitated. And but in that movie, he was like when he hits his own kid when he wouldn't come out. Right, it's like what a dick. I mean, well, and we've seen that coach. I mean, if you I don't know if you played sports when yeah. you're young. I mean, we've we've all seen that coach that just it's it's all about the win. It's all about they, they could care less what what these kids are going through, and. um yeah, hit his own kid. And just the, the kid, you're right, that that kid who played Tanner Boyle. Oh, man. When he, I actually, you know, I lied. That story about, you know, when I said that was the first time I heard the N-word, I, I meant that in a live setting. But I still didn't, I mean, the Bad News Bears, you know, when Tatum O'Neill walks out. Oh, yeah. And he's like, juice, fix, and wops, and now a girl. I'm like, that's crazy for a little kid on the. Yeah, but that's what it had a charm about it. Yeah, that, like, and it's the same thing with uh, what other remake did I just a uh, RoboCop? 
I haven't seen that one. It was awful, yeah. and I wanted to love it so much because yeah. I'm, you know, such a fan of Peter Weller, and and yeah. uh, it was good. the only good thing. It was good to see Michael Keaton. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know, kind of back in the game, but yeah. and Jackie Earl Haley, who you kind of remind me of. Really? Not if from a, but but I mean like. Just his career. Who? Bad News Bears. I kind mean, of a journeyman actor. So you mean, yeah. No, but oh. like someone, I, I, I don't want to say journeyman because like I'm a big hockey guy. So whenever someone gets labeled as a journeyman player, right. it's like it's kind of an insult. Right. Uh, but like just someone who constantly works and, and like I could see you playing a dad. Yeah. I could see you playing a pedophile. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> interesting. You use both of those in the same. Or uh, you know, well, I'd uh, love to play a bad guy, by the way. And, and and in fact, I mean that's that's the thing. You know, you uh, and I'm grateful to have had that opportunity to do. I mean, I mean, comedy is my favorite, but I but I do love to do a variety of roles. And and what I I got to mention this because it's just to me coincidental that you started this thing by mentioning M. Emmett Walsh because M. Emmett to me is the quintessential character actor. And what was funny was that movie that I mentioned to you that Vince Gilligan wrote, Wilder Napalm, I worked with M.M. Walsh. And, and granted, this is my first big studio movie to work on. We shot it down in Florida. And this is kind of funny. So I, I, I uh, the first week I'm talking to, and I never knew what to call him. M. Emmett, I don't know what to call him. But M. Emmett, we'll call him, says, do you prefer Robert or Bob? I go, I really only go by Robert. He goes, well, Bob. <laughs> he calls me Bob the rest of the movie for, for two months. I'm thinking, that's, I guess it was a rhetorical question. I mean, he's like. But yeah, he's the guy. I mean, that guy's been the Coen brothers. You know, he's, I, I don't know. There's probably every movie that's ever been made, I think he's in. I mean, he makes you look like you haven't worked. Well, <laughs> he's got to have I, over 200 credits. He's. I'm sure he does. And that, and that, I would love to keep going in that direction, man. I, I'm, I'm just grateful to, to, to work. You know, when I first moved out here, you know, I just, my goal is to make a living and I just, I, I, I'm, I, I'm making a living at what I love to do, you know? But I think you've got, you're in the perfect, uh, like looks wise, like you could be a chameleon. Like you could really, it. I mean, it's that, do you want to look like, you don't want to get pigeonholed as like, uh, like the guy who's in all those, uh, Capital One commercials who played, uh, Ogre in Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Donald Gibb. Right. Like he's so big. And he was in that band damn movie, a blood yeah. sport. Like, do you, I mean, I'm assuming like when you're that distinctive looking, it's almost a curse as well. Well, uh, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I think ideally you'd like to think that you can, you know, make yourself look different and, 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 and create a persona that, that, you know, lets people go for the ride. Um, I will say if I had to say, you know, I, and, and as I mentioned, uh, I'm trying to make my own films and, I, and I've had some success which I'm grateful for but I would love to do like an Albert Brooks kind of thing right. or, or a, a Gene Wilder or a um, uh, you know uh, this will sound like a weird kind of a, I'm not comparing myself to Clint Eastwood but these guys that make their own films are in their own films you know Albert Brooks you know especially the types of movies that he makes you know and of course Woody Allen but and Adam Sandler you know you know Ben Stiller you know these guys you know, like those guys to me, you know, like Ben Stiller, especially, and Adam Sandler and Gene Wilder and Albert Brooks, they're not leading guys, you know, but they play leading guys right. and they do comedy. And that's what I would love to do. I'd love to write films that have that, that are great stories, have great comedy, and also have something you walk away with, you know, and think about. Now, have you ever worked with Rob Schneider? I have to ask. No. Oh. 
okay. I have it, but I'd, I'd like to, you know, and I got to say, I think he's really funny in, in Sandler's films. I think he always, he always pulls something off that's been, you know, pretty, pretty out there. And I know he's got, I just heard it because a buddy of mine, I think did an episode. He's got his own show yeah. that he's created that he's doing on his own. Or I was you, in episode you, two. Oh, you did something with it too. Yeah. Someone, another friend of mine though said they did something. And how was that experience for you? Now the tables have turned. Uh, it was good. I mean, he, I had opened for him for like four years, okay, so, so uh, we knew that. each other. And yeah. uh, I really admire what he's doing. You know, his yeah. show was on CBS, um, and it, the ratings were really good. Yeah. And uh, it just, uh, you know, I'm not sure why it got canceled. It was with Cheech, and yeah. it was very, uh, you know, it's weird when you see someone of his uh, stature in the business kind of get fucked with by a network. Right. Um, he's like, what are they going to do to guys like you or me? Yeah. And certainly, I don't mean to put myself in your level, but like, it's just, it was like, wow. So he just basically said, fuck it. I'm going to do everything on my own. I'm paying for everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think he's trying to shop it to someone like Netflix or I think FX is uh, hopefully a possibility. Well, when we get damaged goods up on the air, then we'll just do a crossover thing. He can do an episode. Yeah. You and I will go over there. You, you've already done one, but we'll, you know, do that. I'll be all. like Walter Goggins. <laughs> I'll just go from uh, Sons of Anarchy to... Any have you ever auditioned for Sons of Anarchy? I have, and I wish I would have gotten it. And Walter Goggins, by the way, I've worked with. He was he was actually on Lincoln, and uh, and and I've I've been really happy for him. You know, and, and he's you know I mean Justified I think is pretty amazing. I mean I'm a huge fan of his from The Shield, which yeah. is like, uh, and also the guy that's the lead on on Justified, um, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, I think that guy is a phenomenal actor. I worked with him on Go. Okay, and Go is a uh, is a brilliant film in my opinion, and that's what um, is a great is a great cast. But the but the the writing John August wrote it, and um, uh, and Doug Lyman directed it, and it's just if you've never seen it, it's a cool film. It's it's a it's it's the same story told from three different vantage points, right. and um, it's pretty cool. But but he's great. He's, uh, Timothy Oliphant's great in that film. What was your audition for Sons of Anarchy? I can't remember some cops. Uh, no, actually, I think it was like good old boy. Just some, you know. Do you get I, that a lot because of your accent? Yeah, and uh, and I and I've, I think I've got a rural thing pretty naturally. I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma, but it's so I. I but I and I will say I, I think it early on, you know, no actor wants to be stereotyped. Like, like you're saying, you want to be able to do right. and think you can do whatever. But I, I sometimes I don't think it's bad when you walk into a room and I and, and my thing was cops good old boys and cowboys. So I could walk in, you know, and I could usually sell that pretty quickly. So, um, so I don't mind that, but I, but I'd love to play, you know, I'd love to play lawyers, doctors and, you know, whatever. Um, so. Well, no, I, it's funny you say that cause I was, what, what was I watching the other day? Uh, revenge, which is a yeah. kind of a yeah. prison break esque, uh, like, <laughs> so unbelievable, but it's like Dallas meets Prison Break. Yeah. And, uh, What's the lead girl's name on that? The uh, the young Madeline one? Stowe. No. Oh, the uh, Emily Van Camp. Yeah, Emily Van Camp. I think is a great actress, and I did a. Uh, I had three episodes of Everwood, and that's what I think kind of made her sort of a star. I guess was was on the show Everwood. Is that Treat Williams show? Oh, I'm the Treat Treat Williams. But Treat's amazing, but she was amazing and she was young then. I mean, but she's still young, but I mean, she, but, but that show Everwood was a cool, it was a cool show to work on. Yeah, but Treat, now let me ask you something. Now this is another, like, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Treat Williams because yeah. I, I really like 
that movie he did about being an undercover cop, uh, something in the city or uh, 80s film. And it's like, well, this guy's going to be a star. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, not not that he isn't, but like, is it just the breaks? Maybe uh, maybe he passed on a movie. I mean, I, I mean, I would say he's a star to me, but like I thought he would be like, like Clooney I, I, style. I, yeah, I think he's an actor's actor. You know, but I think he's done. And when I say that, I mean, I think, I think actors really respect him. I think he's done, he's, he's done a little bit of everything, but, but I, I, this, this story would be worth telling, I think in, in, in line of your question, uh, when I worked for Kevin Bacon and bear in mind, this is way before, um, you know, the show he's on now, way before a lot of, you know, trimmers was 20 years ago. So, um, and this was this is when Tom Cruise could do no wrong, right? And and he, he he can still basically do no wrong, but I mean I, I but I think um, everything went to Tom Cruise, and and that's what I thought. Kevin Bacon was 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 um, uh, was just joking about it, but but I almost think this is was was really true. He said he said in casting. When you're on this A list, you know, because there's an A list we all know about, and then there's, and they work down from that. But he said, you know, if the script calls for a 400 pound woman, they'll ask Tom Cruise if he's interested. <laughs> I mean, it, it just didn't matter what the role was. Right. So, in answer to your Treat Williams question, I think every actor, and this is what Kevin Bacon was saying, while Kevin's been hugely successful and I think always will be. Um, at different times, actors, you know, are on a hotter list or whatever. And so these other actors have to wait till it goes past. And, and I think I'm sure there may have been times where Treat Williams could have had a role and turned it down or, or didn't get the role because Tom Cruise took it. Right. So I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it's an obvious statement, but I just, I just thought it was funny. That, that sort of put it in perspective when, when Kevin Bacon sh shared that, because I just, I, I guess I think, you know, those guys, including Tree Williams, probably never have to worry about work and they don't, but you still have to worry about getting that great project. I mean, sure. the, the great scripts that everybody wants, those start only with the, with the biggest bankable names. And then you wait for those, hopefully, to get to you if those guys turn them down. You know what I mean? Oh, no. I mean, I've always been a huge fan of casting uh, decisions. And, like, yeah. if my comedy career doesn't work out, which, you know. It will. Well. It has. Know, it's, uh, it you is. Know, what I love about doing this show is I get to interview someone like you who I just love and, and uh -huh. the respect. I mean, and this is no bullshit. I mean, just... Uh, you know, sometimes in the world of comedy, and I'm sure it's like this in acting, you have to work with people you don't like. You just have to suck it up and go, all right, maybe I'm in the scene with a director I, you know, can't stand, but I have to like suck up to him because it's, uh, um, but like, like with Die Hard, Bruce Willis was like literally the eighth choice. Like, I think. Is that right? I didn't know. Yeah, no, I, wow. I'm, I've always wanted to, uh, I'm too lazy to do it, but write a book about, uh, roles that people passed on like i think uh it was uh stallone schwarzenegger eastwood uh at one point i think frank sinatra uh god that's amazing like all these weird choices and like uh you know terminator uh one of the original choices was uh oj simpson oh man and there's a great uh dvd extra where the casting director was like 
I didn't find him believable as a killer. Right. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, I'm not doing material. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, wow. I, did, I think the second choice, and there's, and I'm a huge Lance Henriksen fan. Have you ever worked with him? No. Uh, but he was uh, another choice, and they had actually done some still shots of him in the Terminator outfit, and he ended up playing a cop in the... Uh, God. So it just... Well, it's, it is interesting. I remember hearing all the people that turned down Forrest Gump, you know. Like who? Uh, I think Travolta was offered it. I think... I think there are several big actors, if I recall. And the other one, that, which is one of my all-time favorite films, is The Godfather. And I think Godfather, they didn't want Brando. You know, That's now, crazy. Now you can't imagine anybody but Brando. And they didn't want Pacino. There, there's great stories about that movie because, uh, and I went to a really cool tribute to Francis Ford Coppola that uh, David O. Russell and um, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson did. Oh wow! And uh, and it, it was really cool, but but Coppola was very self-deprecating about all that, and just said, "Yeah, this film, we didn't know what we had, you know." And and every day, we, you know, it was, it was I had to fight for Brando, I had to fight for um, uh, Pacino. Yeah, they didn't, you know, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I guess, and you would know this a hundred times more, hundred and fifteen times more than I would. Uh, you know, when you're working on something, you don't really know if it's going to be a hit or not. It could be a hit. It could be, oh, man. Uh, you know, a total uh, never see the light of day, I guess. Yeah. You know, like, uh, well, like with Roy Scheider, we brought up uh, earlier, he was uh, the De Niro part in uh, that war movie he did. Uh, what is that war movie he did uh, in like 1980? Uh, it was De Niro, Christopher Walken, John Savage. Uh, oh, Deer Hunter? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, oh, yeah. Scheider was the De Niro part. Wow. And he had to leave like a week into filming because he was contractually obligated to do Jaws 2. Wow, I did not know that either. And by the way, I, uh, I've become friends with one of the writers, Quinn uh, of Deer Hunter. He wrote Deer oh Hunter. Oh, my God. And he hangs out at, at uh, Aroma Cafe. And there's my plug for Aroma. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, um, and also, I was going to mention that John Savage played my brother. Really, uh, on an episode of Everwood, and 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 the only reason I mention that is because every now and then, and and I, by the way, I, I mean I appreciate you, you you tooting the horn for the for some of the films I've done, but I, but I'll just say for me, it's just every now and then I just have to check myself and go, man, that's I'm this guy's playing my brother. I mean, John the guy Savage. that I watched on, you know, on Deer Hunter or or or, or working with Malkovich or working, you know, I worked on Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Eleven. Uh, was an incredible experience for me because, you know, you got Clooney, you got Brad Pitt, but even more so, this will sound pretty goofy, but I was I was excited to work with Carl Reiner. And I'm thinking, this is a dude that created Dick Van Dyke show. This is the guy that wrote the, you know, some of the best Steve Martin stuff, you know, and, and I just think, you know, the guy's a legend in television and film. And, and, and Ocean's Eleven and Soderbergh, too. Soderbergh, I just... I don't know. I, I guess I'm just saying. I, I just have. I, I'm grateful for the, some of the people I've had a chance to work with. Well, that's what I love about your career. It's like, you know, there's actors who just kind of work in B movies and like even worse, and just they're. <laughs> I've done my. I've done my share of them. Well, I'm yeah, done. but I mean, you, the, just the quality of people you have worked with the Spielbergs, the Soderberghs, the, you know, the Malkoviches, Daniel Day Lewis. I mean, I don't think a lot of actors in this town could like. Say you're like a modern day M. Emmett Walsh, 
You know, and that's a compliment. Cause well, no, I, like, appreciate, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, and I, and I do want to make more of my own movies, which might be B movies as well. The, the last thing that I directed was a, a wacky comedy that I shot in Germany. It's called half empty. I'll give myself a plug. Please uh, do. It's on, it's on Netflix. If you want to see it, it's and you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a musical, but it's like a, a mockumentary type musical. Right. Um, the best review I got, compared it to like a Christopher Guest style okay. film, which is uh, uh, flattering. Again, I'm a huge fan of Christopher Guest. Um, so I want to keep making movies. And and I, and I think, um, so I hope uh, if there's a follow-up interview, the next time we talk, I will have made another film because that's in addition to just keeping working as an actor, I just really want to see if I can make more films, either either directing and acting or producing and acting. Oh, there will be a follow-up interview. Oh, good, good. When, when, you know, I'm, what I want to do, my fantasy to get our pilot picked up is to have, do a live table read. Absolutely. I know everyone's available. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to take two years to edit the... Yeah, payback. Right. Payback, so, exactly. Well, listen, I guess it's time to wrap up. Right. You know, because I, what, what I do with this show, I want people to want to go i want him to come back I, yes. I want i want to hear more and we we haven't even scratched the surface of what you've done i mean you uh, are one of the more accomplished actors working today and in, in, in terms of volume and quality which is you know uh you know my respect level for you is mammoth i mean not just everyone uh, gets to sit on that couch i mean well and i'll say this if you make all your guests feel this good uh you, i imagine you're gonna have a busy show man i appreciate all that and i and i really do uh uh yeah i just appreciate it well it's true because like you know whenever i uh, you know i try and do the larry king interviewing style of uh <laughs> no i really um I always used to watch him and go, God, he's kind of an ass kisser. But now I know how he feels like when you're actually interviewing someone you respect and, and look up to. And, and, you know, it's hard not to, uh, you know, throw them accolades. And, you know, he, he said if, if the host is talking 20 percent or more, they're a bad host. So you're uh, a great guest because you talk a lot. Yeah, well, I was, well, I was a little concerned there was a little rambling going on, but hopefully there was some some uh, some good stuff in there. Of some note, but well, I, yeah. I mean, I like I said, a lot of my friends are actors and, and struggling artists, yeah. whether it be comet comedy or uh, you know, do trying to do what you do, filmmakers. And and I've always wanted to have you on just to you know show that you know persistence and just you know you're making a living and you know it's it's hard. I mean, you've got four films. Or projects. I don't know if they're all films. Uh, just in 2014 alone, right? Yeah, which I hope will be be uh, worthy uh, worthy to see. I think I think a couple of them will. Uh, I'm pretty excited about a couple of them. Yeah. Now is one uh, closer to being the finished product, or are they all kind of like still? I think the one there's one called I Am Not Adam, which is a uh, kind of a bad identity theft, right. and and I uh, it was a fun role. Uh, I play kind of a surfer type dude who lives in his van and, but very philosophical and uh, he's, I'm based on a real guy. The director actually has my last, same last name, Dennis Peters. Uh, Dennis had known this guy and, and it was interesting because his life was kind of, um, 
I don't know, just a lot of the things that he says, I, I, I totally agreed with philosophically. Right. And it's, uh, I don't know, so that one I think is, I don't know where they are with it now, but I think they're pretty close to getting that out there in whatever way they can. So I mean, do um, you just do these projects and, and just go, do you forget, it? not forget about them, but like with the four things you have going on just this year alone, do you, do you just move on and do they contact you and say, hey, uh, here's where we're at? Or you just... That's a great question. I, I think you really have to just um, do them and, and then hope for the best because... The, the the harsh reality of our business and even more so as everything starts floating towards the internet and theatrical releases are probably harder to uh, uh, attain you know Spielberg even said there was difficulty with Lincoln so that should that should put it all in perspective right there I mean and 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 at one time he was gonna do it for HBO or something but I will say this so so for me as an actor yeah you go in and you just do your thing. You hope you do as the, the best job you can, and you hope that wh whoever's making that project gets the opportunity to to get a release. And and having made my own films, it's it's the same thing I went through because I didn't know what I could do, what I could sell. I sold my first short film to HBO, and then I sold a film that I produced called Certain Guys. And actually, you remind me. All right, so yeah, I mean, you know, this is. Uh we're just finishing up here with the great Robert Peters, but uh, you know what we were talking about, Robert, was uh, you you mentioned off air something very interesting to me that of the 117 credits you have, you got most, if not all of them, on your own with really no agent. Yeah, I think I think almost all would be the the accurate, and it's and and I say that both. Uh, wishing I didn't say that and also kind of proudly saying that it, it, but I but I guess for whoever might hear this show and and I if I'm bored with the ramblings I would would embrace that that it can be done and 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 but but I do I, I have had agents over the years and I've had the same commercial agent uh, almost since I've been in LA and they've been awesome and, and I've and I've done quite a bit of commercial work but but on the on the film and TV side I just have not had that great agent relationship and so I've had to resourcefully and just gratefully count on uh, the people that I've worked with, the people that know my work, and say, "Listen, let's 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 you know work again." As as I said, I've had the good fortune of working with certain directors, you know, a few times, and then also just just uh, when I've you know when I've heard about a project, uh, you know, we were talking about Kiefer Sutherland earlier. You know, I've, I've been able to, you know, say, "Listen, I'd love to work with you," and and get that opportunity, and without an agent, because an agent couldn't get me in there. Well, you know, that's. Uh you know, that's a story that I really want my listeners to hear because I think they think that they can't make it if they don't have major representation. And, and I kind of uh, used to maybe still think that to a degree. Yeah, I know when I first moved to L.A., you, the, the, the two things that you that were the end alls were getting your SAG card and getting your agent. And, and there was often a catch-22 on either one of those. You know, you hard to get your SAG card without an agent, and hard to get an agent without your SAG card. So um, I was already in the union before I moved to L.A. Right. So I'd, I'd done a couple movies uh, in the Midwest. So I came out here very confident, and I thought I'm going to have no problem getting an agent. And I could not get an agent, and for years. And so then I started just you know, trying, you know, I did workshops, I did, uh, you know, whatever I could do to, 
to be in the traffic and to, and to be on people's radar. And do those help? Uh, yeah, I know? do. I think they do. Really? I, I think I think there are a few of them that maybe just take your money and run, but I, I, I like to think that most of them are legitimate. I mean, you know who you're going to see. So if you're a, a huge fan of, like we were talking about earlier, Justified or whatever pickup show, you know. Uh, the Wire. Anger the Management, Wire, whatever show. You know you're going to be seen by that casting director. So you know you're going in. You know that you're going to learn a little bit about how they work. And you know that you're going to have an opportunity to perform in front of those people. So you may not get the job that day, but I'll, but here's a great example. My first big movie, I, I got two movies. I mentioned this earlier. What was Wilder Napalm, um, uh, the Vince Gilligan movie. But, uh, in the same week I booked the movie Chaplin and Chaplin came as a result of a workshop. And, and, and this will be, uh, something to note. The woman, the casting director, Valerie Masalis, who is still casting, didn't call me for five months after that workshop and called me straight in for the director, who we know to be Lord Richard Attenborough. So I'm coming in on one of the biggest movies. At that time, Chaplin was, you know, uh, you know one of the biggest movies out there, if, if not the biggest. Um, and so she brought me straight to director. From that workshop, I booked the movie, and it, and it was an incredible experience. And I became uh, really good friends with one of the ads on it, and uh, who's still a close friend of mine today, uh, a guy named Lee Cleary. But but that 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 job opened up a ton of opportunities. All came from workshop. Well, so, you know, because in the stand-up world, uh, you know, it's it's ripe with uh, um, carnival barkers and you know classes <laughs> and you know at least in stand-up. And I'd like to get your take on this. I don't think you could teach stand-up. You're either funny or you're not. Yeah. Can you teach acting? No, I'm not saying can you teach, but you know, can you teach no, someone to be the next yeah. De Niro? I think I think there are great examples of both where you have actors who had just a natural ability and possibly never took a class in their life and just had that you know, innate talent. And I think there are probably people who maybe early on didn't quite have it, but through great teachers and and great experience with working with incredible actors, all of a sudden their game went to a whole new level. It's, to me, it's like sports. You know, I, I, I'm a pretty good tennis player, but when I play with players that are better than me, all of a sudden my game gets better. Right. So I think the same can often be said about acting. And I think I, what I would add to that too is that in acting, I think that there are a lot of times roles that were just, you know, you're fortunate enough to get a role that really is in your wheelhouse that you really can, you, you connect with. And that's what makes that actor a star. And they maybe were a great actor. Maybe they weren't that great of an actor at that time, but they, that particular role they got and the director helped him make a great film. And that's what you hope for. What you really hope for is a great film and a great role and then, and then great distribution for that film. So right. everybody sees it. Well, I mean, some of my favorite uh, acting roles were, uh, you know, done by non-actors like uh, the movie North Dallas 40 which is uh, Nick Nolte and Mac Davis. It's basically uh, kind of a documentary of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and, yeah and I remember, the, uh, remember the film. But are you talking about Mac Davis then? Or are you talking you about know, no, I'm actually there. Um, I, I know he was more known for his country. Uh, uh, I'm talking about there was, um, he was in pretty much every scene. John Matuzak. Oh, yeah. Who has since, uh, he passed away, I think, in 89. But he played the, yeah. basically played himself. Yeah, yeah. 
And there's this one scene at the end of the movie where uh, Charles Durning comes in and right. after they lost the game and, you know, he basically says to John Matusak and Bo Svensson, who were like the big partiers on the team, you right. guys messed up. You didn't play your best. And John Matusak gives like a two minute, maybe three minute a monologue. Right, right. And it was just, here's a guy with probably zero acting experience. Yeah. And I, I don't want to say it's one of the greatest scenes of all time, but it it's just you know, the passion he delivered that the lines yeah. with was like, okay, he really probably said this in the Raiders locker room at some point. Yeah. And he just translated it in on, and it was just brilliant. Well, and I think that gives credit to him. And it also probably gives credit to the director who created a, a, a set that allowed him to be himself and not be self-conscious. And even though that sounds easy because maybe he's delivered that speech before, you still have to factor in that you got cameras, you got a crew, you got all the distractions that make it hard sometimes to deliver that kind of performance. And Matusek did it. And, and I, another good example, I think, is, you know, guys like Lee Ermey. You know, Lee Ermey oh. from, you know, I don't, I don't think the guy had acted a day in his life before he, he did... Uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket. But obviously that was, he's got a military background he knows exactly what that calls for so he's improvising with dialogue that is real authentic and what he's said to you know soldiers for years and and so that comes naturally but again you know Kubrick uh, shot it well and creates this world that you you, you buy it's not so it's not just a a, a moment where there's someone's being themselves it's also doing it against any kind of distractions well, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't like wooden acting. I just like, uh, you know, acting that comes from the heart. And, uh, you know, there's so many, uh, you know, I find sports movies when they have... Like porn. Porn. Yeah. Really, well, yeah. I mean, uh, like when Lexington Steel or uh, Mandingo yeah. uh, puts it in a girl's butt for 20 minutes. Right. That's solid acting. And again, the director has obviously created an environment where they feel comfortable to do that. Right? Well, I mean, I've often... Now, it's funny you mentioned porn, and I was about to wrap up, but... <laughs> you know, I just figured I had to go inappropriate somewhere. I feel like if your audience is inappropriate Earl, I, I, I've said nothing. Well, this has been an appropriate interview just because <laughs> of my respect level for you, but... I appreciate you it. You know, the, the, I know a lot of girls who got into porn... And this goes back to almost the running theme of this episode of how tough the business is. You know, they come out here to be legitimate actresses. Uh, you know, it, 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 I don't know. They think it's uh, going to happen in a month. It doesn't. And they're like, you know, meet Ron Jeremy at the Rainbow. Right. And they're doing Take It in the Ass 7. Right. I mean, they had me at two. But I mean. Yeah, I, I, I got to get that whole series. I hope that's on Netflix. Well, yeah, there's going to be a trilogy, uh, prequels, the whole, the whole thing. Oh, uh, good. Well, I've got the action figures, but I just didn't have any of the... What do you think of the acting in porn? Are, are there action figures? I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> the acting in porn, I, I'll, I'll say this. The, the movie that I mentioned before that I told you Dietrich Bader was in, I also um, had the great opportunity to work with Tracy Lords. And Tracy, you know, of course, did uh, whatever before she became a mainstream. A lot actor. of things. Well, yeah, but 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 I I will say she's a phenomenal actress and a and a great singer and a great I, you know and I don't know how many people have made been able to 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 do what she's done. But like you say, I, I know I know Ron Jeremy's done some some stuff, right? And he, I mean, well, he was in uh, 
my favorite movie of all time, and, and I'm being serious. Uh, I mentioned to you uh, John Glover before. You said uh, favorite movie of all time. But it's not it? a porn. Yeah, but you're not. Um, it, it really is my... It, it That's is, big. That's it, big. And I know it's crazy because, you know, most people would pick like The Godfather, uh, Deer Hunter, uh, Jaws, um, Forrest Gump. Uh, there's a movie that came Butch out... Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Right. Uh, I mean, there's so many. Uh, Ben-Hur. Uh, One for the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, <laughs> uh, right. uh, Gone with the Wind. Uh, you know, uh, Wall Street, Platoon. Right. Uh, right. But there is a movie that came out in 1986 <laughs> called 52 Pickup. Wow. And Never it, seen it. Well, it's got a great... Someone like you would appreciate, I think, the uh, the lineage of the people working on this film, it, uh, directed by John Frankenheimer. Wow. I'm a, I'm a Frankenheimer fan. Well, that's... I, I, now, now, of course, I want to see it. And, and But I just... I, I always find it really bold when someone says, listen, this is my all-time favorite film or all-time favorite song or all-time whatever, because that's just so hard to say. So that's it must have been pretty amazing. Well, I mean, it's just... Uh, this goes back to, I, I you know... Uh, Roy Scheider was in it. Basically, okay. what it is is uh, Roy Scheider and Ann Margaret are married. I like Ann Margaret. Um, and it's kind of Travolta related. Uh, Roy Scheider's cheating on Ann Margaret with Kelly Preston. Wow. Uh, who's his wife. And so he gets blackmailed by John Glover, who, you know, if they ever have a film on how to act as a bad guy, they should just screen 52 Pickup because John uh -huh. Glover is just plays this great 80s sleaze. Clarence Williams III is his uh, Clarence, lieutenant wow. link from the Mod Squad. Sure, I know that. And the great, uh, and I would call this guy a character actor, Robert Trabor, Robert who, Trabor. Uh, you know, he's, he's one, the, just you've seen him in everything. And, yeah. uh, and it's just so, and the Elmore Leonard novel. So wow. it, it's got this great, uh, you know, Am Margaret, all right, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm, I hope it's on Netflix. It has I'm, to be. I'm serious now. Yeah, I, I, I want to check it out. And I think the problem with why it wasn't a bigger hit was I think it came out right before Fatal Attraction. So it's uh, similar, okay. not similar storyline, but uh, and Ron Jeremy has a cameo in it. Okay, because it's set in the porn world. The three bad guys are uh, smut uh, producers. Okay, and uh, it, but what I love about it is that in the credits. Ron Jeremy's name is Ron Jeremy Hyatt. Like adding a third name is going to make people, oh, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> Who's the guy with the foot long dick? Uh, this is a great scene. Well, he could he could have been just wanting that for IMDb purposes, you know, to separate the oh the, the, right the, the porn credits from the legitimate credits. Who knows? Because if you have a, if there's a book, it's basically the porn IMDb and. Uh, you know, like each actor, like a guy like Randy Spears or Lexington Steele or or Castro or Mandingo or Vince Foyer, Mr. Marcus. Now, these names are coming pretty easy to you. <laughs> and they're not all guy names. I don't know any of the girls' it's, names. It's, it sounds like championship wrestling is what it sounds like. Oh, I'm a big... Are you a wrestling fan? Uh, I am, but not a... I mean, I, I... And it's funny you mention that because I'm, I'm actually talking to a friend of mine in Oklahoma who wants to develop a, a, a championship wrestling movie. And I... Uh, about the Von Erichs with some oh yeah. Carrie yeah. Well, yeah yeah and I think there's a great story there so that's another you know I've got so many ideas that I'd love to see well I'd like to be in on that well I'll, I'll keep you posted huge but, uh, yeah. wrestling fan yeah and, uh, well it's, it's interesting because you remember Goldberg oh yeah Bill Goldberg yeah Bill Goldberg well his dad actually delivered me into the world 
Really? His dad is a doctor and and, and delivered me and my and two of my brothers, Jed Goldberg in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh wow! Yeah, and then of course, yeah, Billy became the. He, oh, he, he, became, he was a football player, and yeah, I think yeah. uh, big big wrestler. This was before MMA was. You know, now I think a lot of football players uh, try and get into MMA. Yeah, and and that's why that's why I think there's a movie here too because I think the wrestler, you know, the uh, the Rourke film, Mickey Rourke film, which was great, and I think it, you know, obviously showed a real human side of that world. But I think I don't think people know as much about how it evolved and how it became this. You know, I, I don't know. I think there's I think there's still another movie. Hopefully. Oh, there's. I mean, it's a fascinating, uh, you know, world. Uh, pro wrestling. Just uh, you know, I think a lot of times the, the the early deaths of a lot of these. Guys. Well, a lot of tragedy in 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 uh, the Von Erickson family. That, that, that was, oh yeah, yeah. There was there was uh, almost all those guys died. Uh, Tra- tragically well i mean a whole, uh, whole bunch of brothers yeah i mean it, it's uh one, one of my favorite wrestlers who had worked with the von erics a lot uh the ultimate warrior he just died okay so i mean it's just, and he's only 54 so wow. it's just like wow. and, and i know the von erics died earlier than that yeah yeah, uh, yeah. i think there's a fascinating list of wrestlers who died uh before the age of 55 and it's literally probably damn near close to a hundred names wow. and all pretty big names. Like, yeah. Oh my God, Bam Bam Bigelow. I knew him. And, and, uh, but that the Southern wrestling was a great, uh, you know, uh, territory, I guess they call it. Cause the WWE wasn't really, uh, or WWF back then wasn't really invested in the South at WCW and, uh, NWA had kind of owned that territory. And then Vince McMahon just gobbled it all up and like, yeah, yeah. He'd go territory to territory, and right. there is a great uh, many yeah. on many levels. Just like the uh, the business side of pro wrestling, that the tragedy side of it, and, yeah. and the individual characters. Even if you don't like wrestling, I mean, the wrestler was a great hit because it was just a great movie, and, and yeah. And it's sad because uh, I know a lot of wrestlers who basically ended up like Mickey Rourke in that film, just wow. doing autograph signings in high school gyms, no one there. And yeah. so, but back to the Ron Jeremy thing and the, and the porn IMDB thing. And then I know you got to go, <laughs> I know you got a table read, um, you know, his, uh, each actors has like m- maybe a page full of credits. Ron Jeremy has 17 pages. Wow. Like it's unbelievable. Wow. And, and just, so he's, uh, you know, like the MM at Walsh of pornography, I guess. <laughs> So sure, I right. will appreciate that comparison. Well, listen, yeah. I you, you right. will be back for more as Rat would Thank say. You. I Thank try you. and uh, squeeze in a uh, Rat reference on every yeah. podcast. You got um, to, you got to. Please follow uh, Robert Peters on Death Frog Films. That's D E A F F R F R O G S Films on Twitter. Follow him on Facebook, Robert Peters. I guarantee you that when you go on Facebook, Robert Peters, you go, oh, my God, I've seen this guy in Lincoln. I've seen this guy in the X-Files. He's got four things coming out this year. He's truly, I'm humbled and honored to have him on here because he's a working actor. He directs, produces. He's got, look him up on IMDb as well, and you'll just be amazed at the sheer volume of this man's career. And he's uh, only uh, starting. I get the feeling that you will, by the time you... uh, are buried under the ground you will have 300 credits i would love that so robert peters you're the best this has been inappropriate earl follow us on soundcloud and for you steve jobs gobble knobbers we're on itunes inappropriate earl there leave a review good or bad i do not take down any bad reviews 
We'll be back next week. Stephen Piercy from Rat. We'll try and get some chick interviews lined up. Fred Curry from Cinderella, yeah. the drummer from Cinderella coming down. And uh, I last thing with Robert, I went to Pryor, Oklahoma for four years. For, for four days. It felt like four years to see <laughs> Rocklahoma, which was like the Woodstock of shitty 80s metal. Wow. Uh, we'll talk about that the next time you all come right, on, but it was right. like Twisted Sister, all, all the bands looking for a glory. Beautiful. Robert Peters, you're the best. Yeah.